Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports independent tech news directly. If you're not already, become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, November 19th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And uh, I am Roger Chang, the show's producer. We are going to talk a little bit about the Wall Street Journal report about Apple allegedly cutting back its production line and what that might mean. It certainly has hit the stock market a little bit. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Snap announced a new partner program to help advertisers find developers to create augmented reality lenses. Snap's Lens Creative Partner Program has more than 30 certified creators listed, at least at this time, and it expects to have more than 100 in the next few months. Instagram has patched a flaw that included a user's password in plain text as part of a URL that you clicked to download your data. They have a download your data function. If you click that URL, the URL had your password in it in plain text. Now, that doesn't leak it out on the internet, but anybody who accessed your machine or maybe got into your browser history, that could happen remotely, uh, would have been able to see that password. Uh, that has been patched and affected users have been notified. If you have been affected as they advise you, you should change your password. A little bit more Instagram news. The company is removing third-party apps from accounts that use these apps to gain in the authentic follows or likes or comments or all three and other behavior that violates the company's policies and will now send users a warning to change their password to cut ties with these specific apps or, quote, see their Instagram experienced impacted. Instagram tells TechCrunch it also may limit access to certain features, for example, for these users. Yeah, so th- this is... I think getting a lot of attention because the Instagram fight for users is a is a serious game for many people and they may feel that it is unfair that they appear to be losing that game to others who use these apps to inflate their follower count. Certainly there's the impact on the bottom line for people who get hired or get branding deals based on how many followers they appear to have, uh, which if they're inflated is not is sort of a, a bit, I don't know if it's actually fraud, but it's certainly misleading. Uh, so so there's there's some, some people crying 
you know, very, very crying, crying foul about this and very happy today that these other folks are getting cracked down on. Other folks believe that this is just the way you play the game and it's unfair for Instagram to crack down on it. Well, I think, you know, we just talked about the fact that, you know, Instagram itself is is trying to be, uh, you know, they they want users to be safe with with their passwords. And the more third party apps you have, we've seen this go on with Twitter, with Facebook, all the social networks have. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. Have, have had that same problem is the more of these third-party apps that people end up using and piping in information to, to change their experience the weirder that security gets, um, in some cases, uh, it, it's worse. And it also, I don't know, it just illustrates the fact that these high inflated follower counts in uh, Instagram, as well as other companies are realizing it doesn't really matter. It doesn't help the user experience. And the the sooner we kind of cut down on this idea of uh, inflated numbers somehow making you better of a uh, person on the platform, the better. Yeah, and, and the the security issue with this uh, comes directly from the fact that most of these apps are not authorized to access Instagram in the way they would need to to operate your account. So you have to give them your password. Uh, and sure, some of them probably don't do anything with that password to log into Instagram and follow people for you, uh, which is a bit of a lot of people think is cheating, but. It also means they have your password and that can right. be and it's out. something that Instagram can't control. Yeah, yeah. And and that's not a good thing for you to do. So you definitely should not use third party services that require that. Instagram is advising against that anyway. Um but yeah, I I, I don't know. I I wanna say just don't use these things at all, but I get where if you're in that that game where you need to get those brand deals and you're fighting against other people who are using this, it starts to sound like drug use in sports, right? Well, I didn't want to do it, but it was the only way to, to compete to win. with the other people. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Uh, This week, Amazon Echoes are going to be able to access Skype calling, including video calling if you're using like the Echo Show. Uh, It also includes support for Skype out. That means you could tell your Echo to use Skype to call a landline or a mobile phone, anybody with a phone number. Uh, I think this is very interesting because Microsoft has been playing nice with Amazon quite a bit. There's Cortana integration with Alexa. And the idea that now Skype could be used for calling actually solves a problem for Amazon because Amazon can, in fact, uh, make calls on its own. But now it can access a lot of things it wouldn't be able to access through a Skype account and do video calls which makes it kind of compete with the uh, the Facebook Portal Plus uh, and and Google's use of Duo on 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 Google. So, I I think this is one of those examples of a partnership that you might not have expected to happen, but really is good for both companies. Do you make video Skype calls that aren't uh, podcast <laughs> that aren't related? Podcasts? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, every <laughs> once in a while, I will yeah. I will do a call with somebody like to have a meeting or, or, or discuss something and they'll want to have video on just so we can see each other. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, I, I generally end up using zoom or, or Google hangouts if it's that kind of situation more often than Skype these days. I don't know, Raja, I, I, I don't use Skype. Well, I don't really use Skype very regularly these days, but I, you know, anytime anybody, wants to connect that way it's perfectly fine i mean it 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 works it works great if i had an echo show and yeah it was maybe something where if tom and i wanted to share some screens and and collaborate on something that makes a lot of sense uh, particularly if we both this had those is one of those things i think would be perfect for my parents because mm-hmm. i often do either skype or through google hangout to to do the parent or grandparent grandchild interaction you know from a long distance and I have to remote into my dad's desktop and set it up on his end in order for me to get it working. If he could get something where he could just say like blah blah blah, connect, and it does, and he doesn't have to worry about the the technical aspect of actually connect. Even his phone is like a giant question mark. Like he has <laughs> literally half a dozen duplicate, you know, shortcuts to the same apps, and I can't even get him to figure out how to delete his own voicemail. messages so this is a very low barrier of entry item and i think that would be great for people who are either technophobic or just don't want to be bothered understanding how to do it i just say connect to my kids through skype and it does like call up tom does it for me don't have to worry about it it has to be set up though you have to buy an echo show you have to get a skype account like there's a barrier to entry but i guess once it's set up once it's it's one of those things i set up on thanksgiving or you know christmas or new Mm. year's day Say bye to the folks and I can head back and not worry about it for a year. The whole smart display too thing, even though you can say, oh, you could just, you know, do it on your phone. What, you know, phones are already mobile and it's always with you. I hate to, whether it's FaceTime or Skype or uh, Google Hangouts, whatever, I hate holding my phone and I don't really have like a nice little tripod where my phone goes when I, when I want to video chat with people, but it does come in handy. So I think the smart display having a, a little area where that's where you do that, it's kind of a throwback, but it actually makes more sense to me. Yeah. I, the first thing I thought was, oh, I could uh, call into someone's cooking show podcast from my kitchen where I have my Echo Show and do cooking things. That'll never happen. 
<laughs> they might. <laughs> Xiaomi reported a net profit in Q3, beating analysts' estimates. Sales growth in uh, India and Europe helped drive the 2.48 billion won profit, which turned around an 8 billion won loss for the same quarter last year. Xiaomi announced it'll make and sell phones under the Me Too brand. Me Too is best known for a photo app popular among young women. I have not heard of this, but I guess I'm not young. Oh, enough. me too. Yeah, no. The, uh, were you not? Maybe this broke before you joined the show back in October. But this was a hot app for a week or two around yeah, the world. I, I don't and it's know. Still it. got a lot of users. It its big uh, popular effect is to smooth your skin out. Uh, ah, and so there's even some yes. controversy about whether it should be popular or not because it it just it makes you look like you have unnaturally smooth skin and it can make well your I eyes mean that's any big. filter well know, no but that's... this one work look it up this one works really really well and it makes your eyes bigger and it's it it basically well, that's, em- I mean that's like it emphasizes most Snapchat filters it emphasizes all okay but. If you're a, a young person using Me Too and you hear old people like us saying, well, it's just like Snapchat, they're going to roll their eyes and go, and be you like, obviously no, haven't used not it. Even. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Um, and, and, and so I think this is smart for Xiaomi to say, let's start making a brand. Let's start making a phone under this brand and sell to all those those youngsters who are who love that app uh, the same way that they're making a gaming phone and, and other branded phones that are separate from Xiaomi, which is seen as a bargain brand no matter what they do. Hmm. And it's it's uh, good news for for Xiaomi, and and what we'll talk about for Apple is a rocky market making smartphones this, these days. Uh, speaking of Apple, Tim Cook told Axios on HBO that he thinks Google's search engine is the best, and believes privacy protections in Safari make up for the deficiencies in privacy protections from Google. I mean, they were basically saying, "Look, Tim Cook, you've said you've called Google out for not protecting people's privacy." But you take several billions of dollars from them to be the default app in, in, or the default search engine for Safari. How do you reconcile those two statements? And he's like, well, they're the best search engine. Uh, and we think we can protect people's privacy through the browser. He also repeated his opinion that he said before, that government regulation is probably needed to protect privacy, saying, I'm a big believer in the free market, but we have to admit when the free market's not working. How about that, huh? <laughs> How about that free market, huh? Well, it's it's very interesting <laughs> because this is one of those situations where a market or or uh, a marketplace, I should say marketplace, uh, a f- a, f- a particular area of the market's so mature that it actually would help businesses if there was government regulation, so everyone would be on the same page instead of working at ostensibly toward the same goal, but maybe at, at the same time cross purposes where, well, you know, I don't want to be on their platform, so I'm going to change things here. If you have government rules that says you do A, B, and C, and you can't do E or F, everyone's, okay, fine. Those are guidelines, or not guidelines. Those are the regulations. We can work with that, and we can make something that's effective and not so scattershot. Yeah, I, I, we've we've talked over that that aspect of things before about where regulation would be necessary, how it would do the most good. Uh, I I think that's not controversial for him to say at this point. Uh, I think it is interesting that uh, for Axios to hold him his, his feet to the fire to say like, okay, you want us to believe that you're so much more involved in protecting people's privacy. Why don't you use DuckDuckGo? <laughs> and that's not what Axios actually said, but that's my question. Uh, you know, yes, you get less money from Google, but DuckDuckGo is a very good search engine that will protect people's privacy. So you're saying the money and the 
marginal improvement in service from Google is worth more than privacy. That that is that is sort of the equation that's being put out here by Tim Kirk. So there you go. I, I mean, is this? <laughs> I don't know. I, the fact that. What stood out to me is, is it a big deal that Tim Cook says that Google search engine is the best out there? I mean, I, I think that Apple has known that for some time. He's the saying fact that, that in defense, right? Sure. He's, he's saying that to defend the fact that he chose it. He's like, oh, we chose it because it's the best. But yeah, Apple doesn't have a competing search engine. So that's an easy thing to say. I don't right. think I don't think anyone disagrees with him that, they're, you know, that Google is the best search engine as far as finding things. It's just that think, Apple and Google compete on other stuff. Maps, for example, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I guess it's true. It's not that surprising that he would say that. A joint study from Temasek Holdings and Google estimates that Southeast Asia's internet economy will pass $240 billion by the year 2025. The latest version of the report issued Monday includes food delivery, subscription music, and video on demand alongside previously included sectors like e-commerce, travel, and online media. E-commerce business from Lazada, Shopee, and Tokopedia are noted as leading developments in the sector. The report also estimates that Gojek and Grab will push ride-hailing to become a $30 billion sector on its own by 2025. The report covers Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to, to cover this today, particularly because of those countries. I think a lot of times when you hear about Asia and the Asian market, you immediately think China. Maybe you think Japan, Korea, uh, and you might think broadly about you know, Southeast Asia as far as Singapore, maybe, or maybe even Indonesia. But if you just limit it to Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam, that is a huge market that is only getting bigger. And it's not dominated. We always get the people who say, you know, why can't you just stop covering Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon all the time? Uh, well, here you go. Here, here's a market where those companies are not the big companies, and it's not China, where China keeps those companies out. This, these, are, these are markets where Google, Facebook, and Amazon, and everybody else are competing but some of the biggest companies are Lazada, which is owned by Alibaba, a Chinese company, uh, and, and Shopee and Tokopedia. Uh, the the ride-hailing business, Uber has not been able to succeed in the ride-hailing business there. Grab uh, has taken that away. And this is a growing market. Whether it's a self-sustaining market or not, if it starts to feel headwinds from the United States and China for various reasons, is interesting. But this study, which is funded by Google, mind you, uh, in part, uh, says no. It's this. This, this is the market's going to stay vibrant till twenty twenty five. It's it's crazy to me that uh, so many of these these household names, depending on where you live, are names that someone in the U.S. would never have heard of before. Yeah, I, I think that's important for people in the U.S. to get used to. Is that mm-hmm. the household name that you have isn't the household name everywhere. Uh, around the world. And it actually doesn't mean the same thing, even if it is, right? Because Google, for instance, uh, is uh, is a bigger search engine in Europe than it is in the United States. Just And, and Chrome, I think, is... is I don't want to say that about Chrome, but I know that the market dominance in Europe is bigger for Google in a lot of sectors than it is in the United States, which is one of the reasons that you see Europe more concerned with antitrust movement against Google. So... Good, good stuff to uh, to take a look at uh, and and keep an eye on, uh, especially when your your news is not only just dominated by the U.S. Often it's dominated by Chinese names as well. 
Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right, we're going to talk about that Apple story, but I want to throw some things out as as ground rules, things to know going into this story. These are important to remember. Apple has never competed on price. That's never been its deal. Apple values high average revenue per device. That's how they've been making their money. Cutting a production order is different than slowing sales. This is one to really, really focus on. Lots of things can contribute to changes in supply chain orders. It could be that you just estimated the market wrong. It could be that a particular retailer uh, deal fell through. Uh, It could be that you just messed up the supply chain math. Uh, And and you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's the wrong number of of units to make, even given what our estimates were. So it's not a given that a supply chain order change has to do with declining sales. We've been here before. Last year, there were reports of production cuts and the iPhone 10 went on to be, by CounterPoint Research's estimate, the most popular phone in the world. So a production cut doesn't mean that in the past iPhones haven't sold well. And it shouldn't be a surprise. Apple reported fewer units than expected sold last quarter. So maybe they would be uh, adjusting their production because of anticipated sales chains. Although they also had a 20% revenue rise last quarter. Uh, they also said they will no longer report unit sales separately. So they're trying to get you away from thinking about unit sales as a measure of their own success. And background for all of this, Chinese demand for smartphones has been weakening overall. You've got saturated markets in the US and Europe, and it looks like China's starting to get saturated as well. Okay, here's the news. I'm not doing the inverted pyramid today. We're doing the bell curve. That's the things you need to know. The news is the Wall Street Journal has sources saying that Apple has cut production orders for all three new iPhone models. The increased number of models made it harder to predict demand is what some of the sources say. The fact that you've got six models out there, right? You've got the three new models. You've got old old iPhone 8s and the old iPhone 10 plus the iPhone 7. Uh, that's caused uh, complexity in the supply chain. That goes back to what I said about supply chain not always being changed because of sales. But demand has also been lower than expected, according to other sources. So maybe it is having to do with that. Particularly, Apple cut the iPhone XR production by a third. So they they did adjust XS and XS Plus down. But the iPhone XR, the affordable one, seems to be the one that they were really doing a course correction uh, with. So given all of that, all my caveats and the facts on the, from the Wall Street Journal article, uh, what do we think is going on here? Well, it does not surprise me that Apple would not want um, to separate its unit prices. The fact that it's like, okay, we got a lot of models, we sell a lot of iPhones, we'll just go with that one big conglomerate number. That makes sense to me. Uh, the fact that the 10R was cut by a third uh, leads me to believe this is more than just Apple saying, okay, well, our numbers were maybe a little high and, you know, we're, we're just adjusting a little bit based on, based on, you know, how the market is fluctuating. That's a pretty big cut. I mean, it, 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 and I am not conversant enough with supply chain logistics and maybe someone in the audience really does work in supply chain and can say, well, here are the reasons why it could be a big cut that has nothing to do with anticipated sales, but I'm with you. That's a real big cut if you don't if you think you're going to sell the same amount of iPhone 10Rs uh, that you thought you were going to sell. And the 10R is the $749 one. That's what it starts at. 
Right. Which so puts it be- still not a discount phone by any stretch. It puts it below other flagship phones. It is more, uh, it is less expensive than the Note Nine, uh, than the Huawei Mate Twenty, than the Pixel Three, only by a little bit with the Pixel Three, uh, the LG V40 Thing Q, the Xperia Xe Three. The it's cheaper than all of those, right? But it's also not cheap, <laughs> right? It's not it, it. The iPhone Seven is the cheap model. That one's four hundred forty nine dollars. But you go to a market like India, which is a fast growing market for phones. The Xiaomi Mi Eight is a flagship phone for the equivalent of four hundred twenty one dollars. The Huawei Honor Eight X two hundred nine dollars. The most popular phones in India right now are the mid range phones: the Redmi Five A and the Samsung Galaxy J Seven NXT. Uh, so Apple really, I mean, the iPhone seven kind of competes on price there, uh, roughly speaking. And I know the prices are a little different in India, but Apple's not making up any ground in India right now. The Chinese market is stalling. They're doing fine in the U S and Europe. So I guess, yeah, if you back all that out, it, it doesn't surprise me that maybe they thought the iPhone 10 R would be an aspirational phone for the mid tier folks. And it's not. Well, and we were talking about this before the show when we were kind of kicking around this this discussion topic is, or at least I was, at what point does Apple finally say, okay, the world doesn't care that we're Apple. And that's what, you know, that's why every, uh, you know, phone of ours that might be a mid-range phone, you know, call the 10R a mid-range phone, um, to, to, to we can get away with this uh, premium price. You know, at what point does Apple actually have to com- compete on price? Because the company never has before, not with smartphones. Well, what's interesting, this actually kind of ties in with the last story about what you were saying that we take a very you know a very north american very eurocentric a very developed country viewpoint on how people consume and what the indian market shows is that people do want functional phones but there is a price sensitivity to them that doesn't doesn't necessarily correlate to what apple has been experiencing even in the chinese market i mean you know, even though the pop, uh, the population that that's considered middle class is still a small portion of the Chinese population. I mean, you're talking, you know, population 1.4 billion people, so it's a big chunk. That you're talking 100 million people, so you do have a sizable market. But if you're trying to sell into an emergency, emerging or, or or a middle income country, those those kinds of calculus about where you spend your dollars on and what you get out of it is going to be a little different, right? In the same way that Uber thought they could go into Southeast Asia and say, well, it worked everywhere. (laughs) Pardon me. It worked everywhere else. Should work here. No, because people take transit differently. They take different types of transit. They need it for different things. And so, you know, for a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, Xiaomi phones, uh, Samsung is that they fit that niche. In fact, Samsung has a huge uh, product catalog to kind of, it's almost like a it's almost like a, a GM or a Toyota. They have a car that fits every budget. They have a phone that fits every budget. It's very staircase. Whereas Apple just has like, you know, it has like the three steps, and then you get a big jump down, and then you get you know three smaller ones at the bottom. There isn't that kind of middle section where everyone is coalescing. Well, but hold on. This goes back to my caveats. Apple doesn't care about that. They don't want to be Samsung with a phone at every price point. They want to be the aspirational phone. They want to be the phone that people buy when they do have the money. And they've succeeded that way. Xiaomi 
is showing that you can take your 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 mar- you go out of your market and win. They're winning in India. They're doing well in Europe, right? So, and those are very different markets than China. Apple has done very well in China. So, I don't think it's about price point particularly, and I don't think it's about uh, operating in another market for Apple. I do think it's about the fact that there's a mismatch between their business model and where these uh, next markets are for them. With China. Uh, sort of slowing faster than people expected. I think Apple thought we'll have time to sell up in China, grow our business there to the point that we'll be able to get the Indian market ready for these higher priced phones and, and be buying phones there. And there's a gap because they're not getting as many sales out of China. And the Indian market isn't to the point where they're ready to spend that extra money just to get that Apple brand. Uh, and we can decide that maybe the apple brand isn't as strong as it was but i think it still is i mean my wife watches all these chinese dramas and there's apple products all over them because that's the aspiration that's what you want to have you want to have that sexy phone having an apple logo on it is an indication of that so i don't think they've lost that i think the market just isn't cooperating with the trajectory they hoped to be on i i totally agree with you the thing with aspirational phones is and i'm gonna use a car analogy bmws are an aspirational car for a lot of people People want one, but they can't afford this year's model. What do they do? They will buy last year's or two years behind. It will still be a BMW. In this case, it'll still be an iPhone. may not be the latest right. one, but you still get that aspirational phone. Which is what happened necessarily- last year, where they made plenty of money because people bought older iPhones, and, they actually, and the iPhone ten sold just fine. And that may be what happens again for Apple. They sell plenty of iPhone 7s in emerging markets, and they sell just as many iPhone 10s as they, they expected to, and they're fine. You know who else is fine? Everyone <laughs> in our subreddit. Thanks to everybody who participates. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We are also on Facebook. Hang out with us there, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. All right, let's check in with Chris Christensen, amateur traveler, who's sharing some news out of Japan about travel assisted by robots. This is Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler with another Tech in Travel Minute and robots. They're doing a test, or they've done a test by the time you hear this at the Osaka, Japan railway station with an AI robot, which has knowledge of different tourist destinations and train schedules. This is in Japanese and English and with written words on the screen. So both locals and foreigners can use this to maneuver through the train station or to get to specific tourist destinations. Apparently, they're also testing this in Kyoto at the train station. And unfortunately, both of these tests were just before I have a trip scheduled to both Kyoto and Osaka. So no robots in my future. I'm Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler. Yeah, I saw actually one of the uh, the SoftBank uh, robots when I went. I traveled to Tokyo one time, but it was mobbed. I couldn't use it because everybody was was like, "Ooh, check out the robot!" Like it wasn't really that useful. But I've seen no robots at any railway stations in Japan. But I have definitely, even though the the rail system is wonderful throughout the country, I have definitely been in the Osaka train station, Kyoto as well, and and there are there are. Uh, depending on how vast the train station is, it could be very confusing. Yeah. I, the, the Osaka one, I remember managing okay. Uh, maybe I just didn't do it, have to do anything very complicated. But man, the Kyoto station is massive. Uh, it has a whole big department store in it and everything. So I could have used some robot help there for sure. Right. Yeah. Let's check well, out Chris, the uh, get back to us when you, uh, when you do uh, encounter the robots and let us know how they go. And we'll take a look at the mailbag. 
Yeah. You know, so Michael, uh, I thought that this was good because we're coming up on some of our holiday special shows. And one of those shows is always the predictions that we have for the, for the coming year. Michael says, happy 13th anniversary to that prediction show. I made the suggestion back in 2005 in the Buzz Out Loud Lounge, and it makes me happy that the tradition is still going. Have you ever done a special where you replayed predictions from 10 years ago to see how accurate or how not accurate those predictions turned out? No, that's a cool idea. I know. We could we could definitely maybe see if we could get Veronica or Molly uh, around for a, for a special. I don't know if we'll do it this year or not, but that's a fantastic idea, Michael. And once we do it 10 years later, you can remind us that you're the one that suggested <laughs> that as well. He's got all the great <laughs> prediction ideas. That's 13 years going strong. Michael's on the case. No, that's good, though, because we do look at predictions from a year ago. But a decade, that yeah. changes things somewhat. No, it'd be fun to because a lot of times what happens is you'll predict something. It doesn't happen that next year, but it does happen like two years later after that. And you never get to go back and be like, I was just ahead of my time. Uh, yes. Well, uh, thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DTNS uh, for supporting us. It's patron thank you day, uh, and we cannot thank you enough. Uh, you guys keep us independent. We're independent tech news. We do have commercials in our public feed, but we don't know what they are, and they make up less than I don't know, uh, less than ninety, less than ten percent uh, of what keeps this show on the air. So if you want commercial free versions of DTNS and if you want to support the show directly and keep us independent, support us at patreon.com slash DTNS. Also, David Michael, who runs the DTNS store for us, wanted me to let you know that starting midnight Thursday until midnight Monday, you can use the code gobble gobble to get 15% off anything we sell at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. Also starting Thursday, he's going to bundle the classic DTNS logo t-shirt, mug, and hat together for 50 bucks. That saves you 10 bucks over buying them individually. Uh, again, the code gobble gobble gets you 15% off anything at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Keep the feedback coming. We love hearing from you. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Patrick Beja. Talk to you then. Woohoo! This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.